0: Welcome to LeGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. In this story, we see the disciples longing for their survival, and we do the same thing when seas start to churn around us. However, Christ's rebuke reminds us that He is in control, and when we remember that, we can do those little mustard seed things for others. You're listening to Windows on the Word, Calming the Sea by Reverend Peter Yonker. Our Bible reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 8. I'll read verses 22 through 25, and uh, this is, in keeping with what Emily just saying the story of Jesus calming the storm, and it's one of our windows, right? We are in the middle of the Windows on the Word series, which means in January and February, we're looking at texts that appear in our windows, and this text does appear in our window, it's up in the last bay in the top corner closest to me. It's, it's kind of hard for you to see. I can barely see it myself. So if you look at the front of your bullet and you've got a good picture of it, that's the window. and You can see underneath the hull of the boat, the waves are churning. You can see uh, it looks like Peter standing up in the boat, right? He's bearded and burly and he's trying to hold the mast up. You can see that the boom is starting to snap off on the side. And then standing in front of him with his arm raised is Jesus looking like he's about to calm the waters with a word. Let's read the story now as Luke tells it. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. And a squall came down the lake so that the boat was getting swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Jesus got up, and he rebuked the waves, and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? He said to his disciples. And in fear and amazement, they said to one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. This is the word of the Lord. In the Synoptic Gospels, because so that's the first three Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we often find ourselves, if you read them, you often find yourself shaking your head at the disciples uh, because of their foolishness. They're, they're often portrayed in those first three Gospels as, as something like bumbling. They are, what should we say, they are knuckleheads. They are terribly slow to pick up on what Jesus is doing and who he is. So, for example, they argue about who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and we shake our heads at them. How do they manage? We hear them push aside the little children who want to come to Jesus, and we say, what's the matter with you guys? Don't you understand who Jesus is? We hear James and John say, Master, can we have thrones when you come into your kingdom, one on your right and one on your left? And again, we shake our heads and say, that is not what Jesus is about. How can you disciples be so dim? That is the reaction that we are supposed to have. That's how the synoptic gospels often portray the disciples. And in the disciples' defense, these are probably their accounts, right? In Matthew's case, it's his gospel. He's one of the disciples. and the others, it's probably firsthand accounts from the other disciples telling them to the writers. So, the the gospels the disciples are telling stories on themselves. They are confessing to being bumbling fools, okay? So here's the question for our story. Is this one of the stories where we should shake our heads at the disciples and their bumbling? Jesus rebukes them in this story, right? Where's your faith, he says. So is that mean, does that mean that this is one of those stories where the disciples just don't get it? I don't think so. This struck me this week, it's a really strange thing. Usually when Jesus rebukes, we can see exactly why he rebukes. We can see exactly why the disciples are being foolish and get things wrong. In this story, Jesus rebukes, and I'm looking at the disciples' behavior, and I think, I don't know that I would have done anything different. Why do I say that? Well, it's the way Luke portrays the story. They're out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, this terrific storm comes down the lake and the waves are so big that it's starting to swamp the boat. They're in the middle of the lake and their boat is about to sink. They are, Luke says it, in great danger, right? They're not panicking for no reason. They're going to sink. And Jesus is asleep in the bottom of their boat. And Jesus, over the course of the gospels, has proven pretty useful. He's good at solving problems. So what do they do? They go and wake him up and say, Master, Master, please help us. Are they wrong to be scared? No, I would be scared if my boat were sinking in the middle of the late in a storm. Are they wrong to go and wake up Jesus and say, Master, Master, please help us? I certainly hope not because I do that every week. And so do you. Every week when storms come, when troubles come and I feel overwhelmed and I don't know what to do, I don't know about you, but I say, Jesus, 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 please, 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 help me, help me, help me. Every week I do just what these disciples are doing here. And yet, Jesus rebukes them. Where's your faith? Granted, we don't know how he said it, right? Maybe he said, where is your faith? Or maybe he put a hand on Peter's shoulder, smiled and shook him gently and said, Peter, where's your faith? But even if it's that second one, even if it's the nice soft one, it's still a rebuke, right? He's still challenging the disciples. Why does he do that? It's an interesting problem. Never thought about it in this text before. But as I think about it now, I think what Jesus is doing when he says, where is your faith? He's not calling the disciples out. He's calling them up. He's not calling them out. He's calling them up. He's, I can see you laughing at me because I say out like a Canadian, some of you. That's Terrible. <laughs> terrible. Don't don't get distracted. He's not calling you. He's not calling the disciples out. He's calling them up. He's calling to something higher. He's calling them to a deeper kind of faith. In their reaction in this text, the disciples are reacting, as we said, just like human beings always react in incredible danger. They do two things. They panic and they try to survive, right? That's normal human reactions under these kinds of situations. You get anxious and you try to survive. That's... Typical. If you've ever seen the movie Titanic, and probably most of you have, you'll know that in that movie, when the boat goes down, the way it's depicted in the movie, out of all the lifeboats that go out, and in the actual Titanic, there were 20 lifeboats. Out of those 20 lifeboats, only one lifeboat goes back and pulls people out of the water when the ship finally goes all the way under. And from reading, I found out that that's true to history. That's how, that's how that went. There were 20 lifeboats, they were all lowered, and many, many of the lifeboats weren't even full. Forty was the capacity, many were much, much less filled than that. Lifeboat number one, 12 people in it. And yet, when they heard the cries from the water, they did not go back. Lifeboat number two, 17 people in it. They heard cries from the water. Someone in the boat said, we should go back. The rest of the gang said, nope. The only lifeboat that went back was lifeboat number 14. And guess what? It was full. It had 40 people in it, but they were still willing to pull people on board. Now, you could be outraged at this. And back when the Titanic sank, this got into the papers, and people were really, really outraged. But they were outraged from the comfort of their living rooms. They were eating tea and crumpets and reading their newspaper. They were not in the middle of the cold North Atlantic. And in the middle of the cold North Atlantic, this is what people do. They panic and they do anything they can to survive and they will not put it in jeopardy. That's how the disciples are here. They're panicking. They're focused on survival. Please help us, help us, help us. That's what they will do later on the day of the crucifixion when all of a sudden they realize Jesus isn't going to be able to help them. What do they do? They abandon him and flee. Survival is their focus. It's very interesting, right? Compare those two stories. In this story, they're threatened. They move towards Jesus to help them. In that story, they're threatened, but they realize that Jesus is the source of the threat, so they move away from him. In both cases, then it's clear what they're worried about is survival. Jesus is merciful with us human beings in our search for survival. He knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. And he's merciful with these weaknesses. In this story, he stands up in the boat, he calms the waves and saves the disciples. But while he is merciful, he's looking for more. Where is your faith? He's looking for something better than just a survival response. And something better than a survival response happens, it comes, when we realize who is with us in the boat. Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? The disciples say to each other. And that question is not just for themselves. That's for us too. Who is this? Who is this man who is with us in our boat? And the text makes it very clear. He is the divine son of God. In Genesis 1, the spirit of God hovers over the waters. And with a word... God brings creation out of these waters. The earth comes up, creation is formed. He has the power of creation in his words. And here in this story, Jesus has the same power with the word changing the creation. In Exodus 14, the people of God are trapped. They feel like they're certainly going to die as Pharaoh bears upon them and they're up against the Red Sea with a word and a wind. The Red Sea parts, the people go through and the water closes in over the Egyptians. The Egyptians. God commands the waters with the power of salvation. That same salvation power is in Jesus. And it's not just the power of salvation. It's not just the power of creation. It's the power of love. The same Jesus who has that cosmic power in his hand is the one who knows your name, is the one who calls you by name, is the one who moved close to you at that baptism font and said, you are my child I make promises to you. He is full of strength and full of love and he is with you in your boat. And when you realize who this man is and he's the one in your boat, then you become the kind of person who can stand up in one of these critical situations where you feel like your very survival is at stake and do more than just think for yourself and look after yourself. You can stand up and still love and still give. The winds and the waves may be making a terrible noise, but you're still the kind of person who can stand up and do some of those mustard seed things we talked about last week. Getting that card in the mail. Calling that anxious friend. Volunteering to tutor. Volunteering at the homeless shelter. Praying through the prayer list in the bulletin. When you know that it's Jesus who's with you in the boat, you can become one of those people Who even if you feel like your lifeboat is full to capacity, you feel like you're at capacity, you hear the cries of the people around you and you're still able to reach out and offer people help and love and pull them in and give them shelter. Where is your faith? Jesus asked them and asked us. He's calling us to something higher. I said earlier in this sermon that the reaction of the disciples in the boat seems completely normal to us. That's exactly what we would do too. And And I think that's true. So in that sense, this story is very familiar to the way we experience reality. But there's another part of the story where it's very different from the way we experience reality. Here's the difference I'm thinking about. When the wind and the waves are blowing and we call out to Jesus, or the disciples call out to Jesus, Jesus stands up and he calms the winds and the waves, and it's done. But if we're honest, in our lives, a lot of times when the winds and the waves are blowing, we call out to Jesus, 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 please help us. And the winds don't stop. They keep blowing. We feel like, it seems like, is Jesus sleeping? The psalmists sometimes say that. Wake, O oh Lord. Sometimes we stand up in the middle of our storms and we say, Jesus, Jesus, please wake up and calm my storm. And we wait, and we wait, and we wait, and the winds get louder, and the storms get louder. And we wonder, why doesn't Jesus calm my storm? This is a really hard place to be, and many of you are in it. And if you are in it, let me remind you of something that Tim Keller helped me to see. Let me ask you a question. Does this story remind you of any Old Testament story? Does this story, the story of the winds and the waves, bring to mind an Old Testament story that's parallel? And I'll give you a big fat hint. Chad mentioned it in his pastoral prayer. The story of Jonah. There's a lot of parallels, right? Both of them are about a boat that's in a storm that's about to sink. And both of them, the main character is sleeping in the bottom of the boat. And both of them, the sailors wake up the sleeping person. Both of them, the winds get calm and the sailors are in awe at what has happened. The Jonah story and the Jesus story are paralleled with one important difference. How does the water get calmed in Jonah's story? He gets thrown overboard, right? And he winks down, down, down to the bottom of the sea where he's swallowed by a sea monster. That doesn't happen to Jesus in this story, but it will and that reminds us that, that the Sea of Galilee, this tempest, that's not the storm that Jesus has come to calm. Jesus has come to calm a much bigger, much deeper, much longer storm. The storm of human sin, the storm of human misery, the storm of human violence, the storm of human injustice, the storm of human pride and idolatry, and all the junk that we humans have been doing to each other over the years. Jesus is coming right down into the middle of that storm, and he's going to stand up in the middle of that storm And people, we will pick him up and we will throw him into the depths and he will sink down, 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 all the way to the darkest bottom, all the way to hell. And there in that place, by his grace and by his power, he will destroy the power of that place forever. You see, Jesus saves the disciples here, but every single one of these disciples at some point their boat will capsize and they will sink down too. Peter, it happens to Peter later. Tradition tells us he's crucified upside down. He falls beneath the waters. James, one of the three lead disciples, killed by Herod shortly after Pentecost, down beneath the waters he goes. John... We think maybe he lived till an old age, but even John at some point was lying in a bed with his, desk, with his breaths becoming more and more raspy until he too sank beneath the waters. Down, down, down. And when they went down, who do you think they met there? Jesus, the Lord of life and death and the master of all of our storms. Someday your boat is going to capsize. And you are going to sink all the way down too. And it will be scary because we've been trying to avoid this our whole life, right? That's what we're doing. We're trying to avoid sinking all the time. But it's going to happen. And when we sink all the way down, down, who do you think you're going to meet? Jesus. And he will pull you up from death into his marvelous light. And what will he say to you? I don't know, but maybe he'll say to you, come on, Peter. What were you so afraid of anyway? Where's your faith? But it won't feel like a rebuke. It'll feel like the best words I've ever heard. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're the master of all our storms. And you know there are a lot of storms that are in this room right now. Some of them are small and private. We don't tell anyone. Some of the big storms that we all share In all of these storms, Lord, we look to you, the one who has the power, the one who loves us, the one who went down into death and was raised up Lord of life. Jesus, we are your people every day. Help us to go forward into our storms with life and hope. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.